Hello, everybody. You know it's going to be a chill evening, maybe, if we start off with some Portishead. A little bit of Portishead on a Wednesday evening. On a hump day, the last hump day in March. It's the 30th. And I've been looking forward to tonight for a while because we've got a cool guest in studio. You know, it's very, uh, very rare. We have a guest in studio. But, um, but yes, here we have uh, a good night ahead of us. And I'm going to talk to you all about that in just a moment. It's the 30th of March, year 2022. And I, there's actually such a variety of things on the, on the docket tonight that I, I guess it's not even worth even talking about it. We should just jump in. Our guest... He has uh, been on the show once before, but w- didn't even Skype in. It was a pre-recorded thing. And his name is George Alexopoulos. And he is an artist cutting, cutting, cutting social commentary with his art. He's hanging out with us tonight. George, how are you feeling over there, man? I'm feeling so good, man. Thank you for the invite. It's an honor. It's are fun you, to be here. Are you, are you enjoying the scenery? It's, it's taking me back to my old art school days with the tall ceilings and it's so studio-ish. Yeah. This is the real thing. I'm happy. I'm happy you enjoy it. You know, has anyone ever has anyone ever called you Alex Georgiopoulos? I've been called Alex throughout my whole life, yeah. So it's kind of like my second name. It, it's, yeah. I don't correct people if they say it. Because <laughs> I was looking at this. I was like, you know, this is such a, a interchangeable name. It's like one of those jackets you can wear inside out. Yeah, why not? I mean, Alex is as simple. Fewer syllables. I don't know. Two, one fewer syllable. No, one more syllable than George. George yeah. I don't know. It's easier. Less. I don't know. <laughs> Less uh, letters. I don't oh, know. you Greeks! What are yeah. we gonna do? We wily tricksters <laughs> with our syllables. A lot of syllables. We've got syllables uh, across the way over there in Italy as well. But uh, but hey, you know, a lot less s's sometimes. But welcome to the show. Welcome to the studio. I can't wait to... There's so many things we can mix up here tonight, and we will in short order. So actually, let's just uh, let's, let's cut our teeth a little bit and get into some, some grab bag news. If you don't mind, George, just jump in. Uh, <laughs> you're in for the ride now. All right. Okay, okay. Well, that's the black screen. We don't want that. Here it is. Headline from Yahoo. Flamingo that escaped Kansas Zoo in 2005 has been spotted in Texas. That son of a bitch. He's back. Austin specifically, perhaps. Oh, let's see. Let's see. Wichita, Kansas. See, they're really upset. They're, they're still reporting on this in Wichita. Oh. So obviously they want to know where this thing has gone. One of two flamingos that escaped from the Kansas Zoo during a storm 17 years ago, 17 years ago, has been spotted on the coast of Texas, wildlife officials said. The Coastal Fisheries Division of Texas Parks and Wildlife confirmed Tuesday to the Associated Press that the African flamingo, known only as 492 because of the number on its leg band, <laughs> it's, like, it's like Beaver Vendetta. Or THX 1138 or whatever. <laughs> exactly. FNN. Yeah. Um, was captured on video shot March 10th by an environmental activist near Port Lavaca, Texas. At Rhodes Point in Cox Bay. Well, they just doxed this damn thing that had gotten away. <laughs> they doxed it. I bet they have tracking on it and stuff. I know now it did, yeah, because of this environmental activist. This thing had been living its best life for 17 years, <laughs> and now the feds are going to be coming down on its ass. Okay, officials were able to make out the bird's leg band on the video, and uh, 
Okay, so we wish this thing luck. There's no, there's no uh, picture of the flamingo, but we know what they all look like. I think that's speciesist, sir. I don't know. They all look the same. It's maybe we're being too reductive. Perhaps. But then again, we're not, we're not flamingos. Flamingo I narcs. I know. <laughs> Complete flamingo bigots. Um, you, uh, you're, as I pointed out before, the last time we spoke, you are definitely, what I see that comes out a lot more in your art is blues and pinks. So, uh, you, so you, you like flamingos at least for their <laughs> at least for their genetics. That, that's true. I was, uh, I guess, I was run over by a pack of flamingos once. And once, it's just it's the image stuck in my mind. And then I was looking up at the blue sky, thinking about you know this is it. This is the end for me. God, if you can save me tonight, I will only paint in pink and blue for the rest of my life. And, and you have upheld that promise. <laughs> that's true. No, the real reason is. Uh, simply that I suck with color and um, I look at things in nature that complement each other so like I'll look at uh, we got a cherry blossom festival over near where I live sometimes every year sometimes you know, depending on if you can catch it or not so they got you know the pink trees and everything it looks real nice and then you got the blue sky I opened right up to that fa <laughs> the famous one that I'm sure is a lot of people's favorites it's scary as hell <laughs> It's scary as hell, wow. but uh, there you have it. Mommy, where are my brothers and sisters? You don't have any. You're my one and only baby. No, I'm not. There are seven of us. I see them at bedtime. They want me to tell you their names. And then the, that just, that look, that gaunt look where every, all the strength, all, uh, the spirit has been drawn from her face. Man, you really know how to how to tackle horror. I'll tell you that. And I wish I had time uh, to actually turn that into some kind of animation or something. Uh, time and budget. If I had a few people that I, I could work with, you know, we could turn that into like a short film or something. That, that's totally possible, man. It is. You know, I've always been uh, like a small nobody, so I, I'm not used to uh, having people notice my work. So it's like, oh, can I get a budget together to make this happen? Uh, it's new to me, but maybe. So, like, I have a script, I have a story that I could turn that into a short film or a horror film or something. But, like, it's logistically, how do I do it? I've never done it before. Well, so it's in my eyes, I look at what you have now. The, the, the hardest thing is this. A lot of people have really cool ideas. Yeah. But when you, it's very hard to sell an idea to a people that you need to come on to be a mastermind with you when you don't really... You don't really have any guarantees that people are going to see the project and you don't have anything to pay anybody with. Yeah. But in your case, I mean, wherever the hell I see you have a presence on, you have tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people following you. So there's always the guarantee that whatever you do, this is a brand that has already been successful. You get an animator on with you just to do one test run to see what the reaction is like. I mean, that that's, I think that'd be, I think people would jump at that. Just put it out there one day. Yeah, it's a big move. I, I have more time now than I used to. So maybe this year I'm going to uh, do some test animations. Like, I know how to animate. Uh, it's just a matter of finding the time. And I have to do daily, not daily strips, but maybe two or three a week, mm. uh, depending if I'm inspired or not. Gotcha. So if I can just do my three strips a week, then if I can do anything on top of that, that's... Uh, that's a huge blessing if I can find it. It is, yes. That kind of productivity is very. That's a, you know who's very productive, the uh, the current the currently inaugurated president of the United States. You know what he did yesterday. You know what he accomplished. 
He got out of bed. Yeah, he got out of bed. <laughs> and then when he and then when he got out of bed, George, this is what he accomplished. Uh, we got a tweet yesterday around 5 p.m. said, oh, I, yeah. I just signed the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act into law, making lynching a federal hate crime for the first time in American history. So, yes, that's right. George, did you know that murder was not illegal until yesterday? Um, you know, I, I murdered at least five people a week, but now I have to stop. Uh, now, knowing this is a law, um, you know, they've... They've put an end to my evil ways, I guess. I, I didn't know. Lynching, specifically. Right. You know, just regular murder. I don't know. But, like, lynching... It, I, and it, it's, a, it's a special kind of uh, bad, I guess. Mm. You know, and, and the other thing there, too, is you can say, well, well, what if they don't? What if they don't die? And was, oh, okay, well, is that still not attempted murder? You know what's going to be interesting with that, not to bring it to a serious place, but how are they going to define lynching now? So, like, they turn the word violence into, you know, if I criticize you, it can be violence. Mm. So what are they going to say lynching is? They could redefine it however they want. Maybe. It's, it seems so pointless. Like, everyone knows it's... When's the last lynching been? Uh, how many freaking five million years ago? So, I don't know. It's... Great, good job, Joe Biden. You did it. Yeah, we, we did it, Kamala. It's more public wartime measure stuff. It's all you know. Well, we know what it's all about, but still, let's move on to the next thing now. Hey, what did you think about this? Did you read into the Madison Cawthorn um, uh, orgy invite? I'm not sure. So he went on a podcast a couple days ago and probably around I think it was Sunday or Monday night it started getting around that he made a comment well he made a pretty big there's no two ways about it to get it you know mixed up he said that he had been invited to a sex party among members of Congress uh, and and that he has witnessed members of Congress who are on the in very public ways, anti-drug and pro, you know, they want to go out there and fight the drug drug war, are doing key bumps of cocaine and all that <gasps> stuff. So all of this stuff is, he says this in a podcast, and, I, 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 you know, Kevin McCarthy comes out, and he says, no, this I'm very disappointed in him, and everybody's like, oh, they're trying to pretend like this is so outlandish. Well, you know, that's the eyes wide shut parties that uh, they don't want you to know about, and... As long as you keep quiet, everybody can still party. But uh, as soon as one person is not cool, I mean, that's a face that you want to invite. If I'm having a party. Kevin McCarthy? That's, that's the man I want at my... He looks like he's wild. Can I use language? <laughs> I forget. On your... Yeah, you can use language. That's a man you want at your orgy right there. I don't know. He's, yeah. he's in, I could say some bad things, but I don't know if I want to take it to that level right now. Well, Politico, Politico <laughs> reported this today. It says Kevin McCarthy is fed up with Madison Cawthorn. GOP leader said Wednesday after a meeting with the North Carolina Republican that morning that Cawthorn has lost my trust due to his repeated actions that were not becoming for a congressman. Not becoming. Not becoming. <laughs> What, does he understand what the United States oh, government dear. is? Oh, dear. He's been in government long enough to know what the hell it is. Not becoming. No. There's, uh, there's a lot of coming and going over in D.C. I hear. Yeah, there's so, a lot of coming over there. Well, I'm sure, you know, Hunter Biden's the, the master of coming and going. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of going these days, though. 
But I, I, I'll tell you, uh, this is pretty much like this is pretty much like Kevin McCarthy and everybody else coming out and saying, uh, "What stays in Vegas, what, what happens in Vegas, stays in Vegas." Yeah, that that's the stance that they're taking. Because nobody's saying this is demonstrably false. Some may. Well, I mean, I want to see the. Uh body cam footage of these parties you know i'm sure it's like to get in you have to leave your cell phone in a basket somewhere right you know with some uh, bodyguards and stuff and then you can go in and have a good time come right this way madison but you know with man because I, I somebody had said because you know madison is uh, he, he got into a car accident and he is he's in a wheelchair and i had read somewhere you know because people had asked him about his functionality and it's questionable, and I don't want to get into it, but but my whole thing there, too, is people are like, well, he's in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Why would you invite somebody who's in a wheelchair to an orgy? Like, don't you understand that the, the basis of these get-togethers are making sure that you are able to, your loyalty is tested, that there are eyes on you, that there are, there's things to then hold over your head to make sure that you stay with the herd. It's, uh, it, it's, <laughs> it's so much... May, may I? Yeah, go ahead. It's it's not blood in, blood out. It's come in, come out. Yes. You see? So in order to be part of the club, I shouldn't say jokes like this. It's too early. How the guy... Was it a car accident? Was it a train accident? Uh-huh. In D.C., we, there's no way to know. No. I guess not. I'm, I'm sorry with the puns. It's no, no, I guess there's no way to know, right? I mean, hey, listen. I I, I understand. I understand what you're saying, and but it's true though. It's true though. Th- there's a lot of these things. It's oh, been dear. it's been part of the it's been part of the makeup, the mechanics for a long, long time, and uh, it used a little used to go a long way. That's the problem, George. A little used to go a long way. Some drugs. Yeah. A, 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 you get on a plane and to an island somewhere. You know what stays on the island, but now you know some people got arrested. You got to cover your ass a little extra. I just can't. I can't stand the tap dancing anymore. Um, I'm curious to hear. <clears throat> all right, so they've been grilling some people about the laptop recently. Yeah. So they're saying in November, some, you know, the energy is going to shift, and then some people are going to start asking questions that they can't ask right now. It's, you know, Matt Gates was showing, you know, the laptop, or he had some hard drive, and he was handing it. He was trying to submit it as evidence or something. He was grilling some FBI tech guy. The security guy saw that. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so obviously everyone in D.C. knows what's on the laptop, but for some reason they're holding their card. They can't play the card yet. So I guess they're waiting till November. Uh, but uh, it, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. It, I don't know. It doesn't. It, that would only make sense if they want. All right, so Ukraine's a factor in this of why they might be waiting. And then why maybe they want to replace Biden if he sucks. I don't know. Like, you play that card if you want Biden out, Kamala in, I guess. Because everyone online, at least, has heard or seen some of what's been on that laptop. Well, yeah, well, and the other thing there, too, is that you're, you're referencing to this this exchange between Matt Gates and this FBI security guy. They, they actually had the balls to come out and say today or yesterday that they don't know where Hunter Biden's laptop is after it took it into custody three years ago. Yeah, that's what the FBI guy says. Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess it's, I mean, it's the dog ate my homework defense. 
top that, FBI tech guy, dog ate my laptop. That's why I'm saying, man, I, to, to wait, to, to play waiting games when A, we know how bad the judicial system is, yeah. and B, for this to be some kind of a way to sway an ele- or, or have it like a, be an October surprise for an election, they, let's, you don't need any election, you don't need any election help, and there's, how is this going to cure people's suspicions about what's going on with the election? Uh, if the only reason you might hold it, I mean, I'm not a politics guy, I'm not a genius in any way, but like, you assume the people in DC are smart enough to have some kind of strategy, and they must be sitting on it for some reason, if nothing else, to be like, hey, so you're going to play ball with us, right, or we'll release this. Maybe the, I mean, I don't remember when the laptop initially, the rumors, it was before the election, but... Yeah, the weeks leading up. And, and we're, talk, we're talking about crimes against children, drugs. We're talking about uh, international influence yeah. peddling. So I, even even the, the, the act of sitting on this and trying to time it out politically seems scummy to me. You know, uh, so... And then again, George, there's the other thing where there is a sizable portion of the United States that does not care either way. What it reveals, there's going to be a whataboutism that replaces everything. But a guy, Will Smith, did slap someone. I can't wait to get around to that tonight, too, because I have a couple of things, a couple of things that were sent in, uh, a couple of mailbag items that were sent in about this that I want to read onto the record okay. and, and get your your thoughts. Well, sure. it's 7.13. Let's kick this one off. This was the pre-show. Share this episode far and wide, whether you're listening to it live or on demand, and we will be back right after this. I think we're staying on YouTube uh, tonight. We'll, we'll see. But ladies and gentlemen, please remember, it could be our last night on YouTube for a while so if we're not here tomorrow don't say oh frank took the night off i didn't i didn't take the night off letting it rock tonight um mainly because i didn't set up the other video and that's just my fault so we get a freebie there brb stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! So welcome to the show. Here we are on a not too chilly Wednesday in March. I think that we're going to be out into into more springtime weather tomorrow. And uh, and yeah, how do you feel about that, George? I cannot wait, and I'm disappointed by the false starts. I think there was one day where I wore shorts last week. Yeah, it wasn't last week, but was it was. It? Yeah, it was. 
It was uh, at least a couple of weeks before that where we had close to 70. <laughs> I heard some birds in the morning the other day. <laughs> like, oh, man, what are we going to do? But, hey, there's more on that. Hey, you know what? Let me ask you this because we were talking about color schemes and things that you usually uh, you gravitate toward in your in your work. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite aesthetic? Like, I... I like I, I like some people really love that synth wave cyberpunk mm. dark rainy neon vibe. I like that to a degree. What's your cozy zone? Because every every artist needs one. Uh, you know it depends on my mood. I love the music of synth wave. Uh, visually, um, I'm a huge oil paint like romanticism, sublime uh, Hudson River school kind of thing. Okay. Everybody loves Alphonse Mucha. I like uh, Shin Hanga, which is like the Japanese illustrations from like the late 1800s. Uh, woodblock prints. Okay, I think uh, I know what you're talking about. I mean, I, I like anything. If it's visually appealing, I want to try to assimilate it into my style if it's possible. But um, I don't know. It's It's... When it's time to deliver a comic strip, let's say, I don't have time to think about my style so much. Oh, I know. You have yeah. something in your head, but as far as what, uh, what like I enjoy looking what at. What you enjoy looking at. Yeah. I, th I, I love all those. You're talking about just pretty much those uh, those still lifes of, of uh, scenes from around the Hudson River Valley and mountains yeah. and all that stuff. Almost otherworldly in how, you know, huge clouds. Yeah. And it's it's not real, but it's it's it was just when they were westward expanding so it's kind of like what's beyond what's in the west we're still finding out pre-industrial age i want to say or just when it was starting out so the world was still mysterious and beautiful and they're like wondering what's this new world uh so you see a lot of heavenly images and mountains and not a lot of people and that's cool uh, i like the uh if you go on a hike you know you don't see anybody uh, you kind of feel like this is what the world was like 2,000 years ago. Yes, yes. It's a fun feeling. So I like paintings that are more nature. I like portraits and stuff too, but, you know, I like paintings that are like windows. You can go into them. I love that. Yeah. I, I absolutely, I do. And I think about that. Um, I th There was somebody that had gone out. It was it was not a, a large image set, maybe about a half a dozen images where they would take those still frames, uh, those still lives, uh, from around the country, whether it be near the, the I don't know, uh, Wyoming somewhere. You want to talk about, because every, every few years back in the 19th century, the frontier got pushed farther out west. Yeah. And I, I love taking those, those paintings from the 19th century, early 20th even, and then having it uh, juxtaposed with modern shots actual digital photography to see how things have changed i mean sometimes these these sprawling woodlands have been have been uh, developed and turned into parkways mm -hmm. that aren't as bad as you know just everything being a gas station but yeah. a parkway something you through a national state park or something so i i love to see that because um I don't know. It, there is something very heavenly about it. Yeah. A certain romance is lost. I mean, it's just human nature. People move places. It develops. You see a little too much concrete. But I like to, if you go out west a little bit, you know, south, even north sometimes, uh, towards the Appalachians or something, and you can just sort of imagine what if, what if I was 2,000 years ago, I just planted here, and this is the natural world without us. You know, it's just a fun, I don't know. It, that's that's very zen or something you know that's where i can calm down I, when i go into a city i'm not super calm i'm no. always worried about 
you know, I don't want to piss someone off, cut someone off as I'm driving or if I park in the wrong spot, you know, in nature, you got to worry about bears, I guess. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I understand what you're saying because even like backwoods, Greenwich, Connecticut around here, mm -hmm. if we're driving through there or something like that and you just see these dense patches of woods. I often, no matter where the hell I find that, I often take that and I just duplicate it for I don't know, tens of miles, and yeah. I think this used to be everything. Yeah. And I, I love that. I really do. On the other hand, I love our, our modern way of life for uh, to for all intents and purposes. I mean, look what we're doing right now. Yeah. Can't do this in a forest. No. but um, <laughs> Not so easily. No. I um, like showering. Yeah, showering. <laughs> that's nice. I know some people uh, who call into the show. One guy, uh, I think, it, I believe it's our, our buddy Alan in South Carolina. He called in not too long ago to just kind of talk about his daily routine out uh, by his property where he he takes frequent showers in this waterfall next to his house i'm like oh imagine waking up in the morning going out to the waterfall i guess it doesn't work out too well in november in <laughs> but still well i guess you would boil water and then use a sponge oh yeah if he lives off the grid that's that's expedient <laughs> but, you know, whatever. I, hey, you know, on top of that, I want to make a really quick announcement to everybody out there in the audience because I know the end of the week is coming up, and I told you that the book club, quite frankly, book club, begins this weekend. I'm going It's going to officially get kicked off on Friday, April 1st. I said that's the day everybody's got to get windswept house by Malachi Martin by then if you're going to do that. And um, I guess I was just thinking... I guess maybe the first 100 pages. It's the prologue in the first 10 chapters. It's a 600-something page book, so six weeks. I, th I figured that was good. I just don't want to overburden anyone, and, of course, you can always read ahead. Um, George, what are you reading these days? Anything? I'm currently reading, uh, I mentioned uh, to you, uh, Irreversible Damage by Ab Abigail Schreier, I think her name is. Okay. Uh, Rereading Lord of the Rings for fun, but this is all audible. Uh, irreversible damage is about the uh, trans. Uh, well, I I don't want to talk your ear off. If you just want to, I don't want to interrupt. No, no, go ahead. But it's it's about how like teenagers, especially girls, kind of uh, in their friend groups, the number of girls who come out as trans is very unusually high. And uh, her thesis, it seems, I'm only about three chapters in is that it's peer pressure and not actual like I'm born in the wrong body and like no one's telling you that you're born in the wrong body where maybe some people feel like they actually are a lot of them it's like hey my friend is a trans boy well maybe I am too and uh, there seems to be a huge social pressure aspect to that absolutely there and is the book is just it's nuts I'm it's so dense I'm taking notes uh, I don't know if it'll ever come up for work or anything, but um, I think so sociologically, it's just insane. And and she was, I think the uh, author was on Rogan at some point, and they tried to pull it down and stuff. You know, I, I have to try to find this now. Uh, let me see. I want to try. I hope that it's up here. I don't know where the hell it is. No, it was Camille Paglia on transgender mania being a sign of cultural collapse. Um, and remember, this is a. This is a Green Party member. She's a lesbian, uh, but she doesn't like the Clintons. She's she's one of those people that are are uh, got a lot of problems even in liberal circles because she says things like that. I guess we can start with this, then we'll get into uh, New World Order, which doesn't exist. But they are no. they have just kicked off a world government summit in Europe. It's the world government summit, 
and the and the and the person who opened up the the first day of talks out there, yeah, dropped New World Order in the first thirty seconds. Yes. We'll get into that in a second, but since you brought this up, I think that this is really good because we're going to be talking about ancient civilization in the second half of the show, at least from a farting sense. I think you'll like that. I love farts and poops. And farts and poops. <laughs> They're like... I could drop one right now if I want to. If you wanted to. <laughs> no, no. Man, oh man. That's a, that's a talent right there. <laughs> All right, let me see. This is seven minutes long. I hope that we... I hope that... Let me say. Hold on. Okay, hold on a second. Wait. My particular transgender um, rebellion came at a time when um, there, there wasn't this, uh, uh, these ideas in the air, that the, that, the, that the moment you are dissatisfied with the limitations of your present gender definition, uh, that there is a, 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 this enormous mechanism waiting to alter your body, um, to, to, to halt puberty, to sl slow your puberty down, to um, <laughs> uh, uh, people uh, all very well-meaning and very sympathetic are there to provide um, uh, surgical uh, intervention into, in, and potential, uh, you know, permanent changes in your body with which there's no going back. Okay? I mean, I, I, for me, um, you know, a, 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 trans, a, a sex change operation um, opens one door but closes many others. Right? So I, 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 I personally believe that um, anyone who um, who, uh, who who collaborates in a, in a, an intrusion into a developing child's body and mind is guilty of child abuse, a crime against humanity, okay, because that child is not prepared to make such a decision, okay, I, I, I think that such, such decisions about sex reassignment surgery must wait um, when one attains a majority, which would be, it seems to me, a minimum of, of age 18. Uh, I'm, I'm very concerned with this because I think that... Um, it's become a fashion, okay, uh, yeah. that, that, a, uh, that uh, the transgender uh, definition has become a kind of convenient label for young people who may simply feel alienated, okay, culturally for many other reasons, okay, so that in the 1950s they might have become a beatnik, in the 1960s they might have become a hippie and taken uh, you know, mind-expanding drugs, okay, and so today you're encouraged to think that your alienation is because uh, you're not not uh, totally defined, you know, uh, identifying with the, your particular inherited gender definition. So, what do you think about that so far? She's going to come up to the other the other parts of uh, of history very soon. But I I, tr I totally believe there's no way around it. This is certainly nurture dominating nature at this point. As you said before, and I've said it many times in the show, mm -hmm. I have no doubt in my mind that there are people who go through um, you know I emotional crises <coughs> where they have gender or identity dysphoria and 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 there's there's problems there i have no doubt in my mind and we know that physical intersex people who are born with male and female genitalia is such a a, a fraction of a percent of that things happen yesterday is, i heard it was 0.02 percent of the population so one in 2000 i i, I think it's one in 2000 no it's 2000. I don't know. 0 0.02. I don't know. I'm not good in math and stuff. Me neither, but I know it's not that. It's very low, let's say, the intersex thing. But uh, the phenomenon, if you want to call it that, of the transgender stuff, it, there's so many of them coming out now and doing things uh, or announcing that they're transgender. Whereas 30 years ago, 20 years ago, uh, it was almost unheard of, um, especially with younger people. It was not even... 
you never would have heard of this with younger people. It's, you know, an older guy might dress up in drag or something and, you know, hang out with gay guys. And it's just like, I'm just gay, but I'm dressed up as a woman because that's just how I want to express myself. But now it's when you involve things like testosterone for girls, estrogen for boys, um, doing things to your body like uh, double mastectomies, for instance, or mm. having your genitals altered uh, irreversibly. Um, I'm willing to say I'm still, you know, I, I want to be graceful and allow for as many people to live however they want and not be like mean to them. I don't, I don't think it's nice to be cruel, but I think there is an aspect of this that's like medical experimentation without the uh, force of government. It's like, hey, you can opt in to this medical experiment where at a young age we can give you all these pills and we just want to see what happens to the human body when you do this. Oh, they know. They've yeah. been they, they I think they know exactly what this what this is going to be doing because they've been experimenting on on the uh, on on human beings with uh, chemical substances in in massive ways without people even knowing. Yeah. And where I have very little tolerance for all this these days is not is not me trying to find the uh, the will to be tolerant to people who have are obviously experiencing experiencing severe and serious crisis in their lives but it's more so what you said there the system the government there is a uh, it, it's a it's a mechanism that has been put in place to manufacture crisis for people this is all manufactured and and, and it's not that people aren't really confused that children aren't really confused it's that uh, i mean hey we see all the uh, the tiktoks coming out of everybody's classrooms now it sure is fashionable to come out as trans these days it is well listen to this now because she gets into the into the um, historic. Um, so I, I'm, I'm very concerned about this. I think that a lot of it, uh, I think that the, that the, that the uh, collaboration- She's very excitable, by the way. And she's a lesbian, you said? Yes. Okay. Machinery with it has to do with the assault on masculinity. Okay. Ah. Mm. Okay. You see, trans gender doesn't really exist. It's not really polarity. I mean, it's it, it, everything is all about expanding women's rights, but also terminating men. Okay. And and defining men out of existence. Masculinity is by definition toxic. Okay. Masculinity doesn't exist. You see, this is this is the proof of it. But now I began my all my studies. My my book, Sexual Personae, began as a dissertation at Yale uh, Graduate School on androgyny. I've always been fascinated, attracted, you know, to the subject of androgyny, uh, and, and that's what the sexual persona is. I explored it in history. But the, the more I explored it, I realized that, um, that historically, this, uh, this, uh, the movement toward androgyny occurs in late phases of culture, okay? as, a, as a, a civilization is starting to uh, unravel. Okay, and that, that you can find it again and again and again through history in the in, in the in the Greek art. Okay, you can you can see it happening. All of a sudden, okay, there's a, there's a kind of uh, you know the the, the sculptures of of um, of uh, handsome nude young men athletes that used to be very robust. Okay, in the archaic period, suddenly begin to seem like wet noodles. Okay, uh, toward the end. Okay, and that, uh, and that and that the people who 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 live in such periods, a late phase of culture. Whether it's, it's the Hellenistic era, whether it's the Roman Empire, whether it's it's uh, the Mauve decade of Oscar Wilde in the 1890s, whether it's Weimar Germany, people who live at such times, okay, feel that um, they're very sophisticated, they're very cosmopolitan, okay, and homosexuality, heterosexuality, so what, anything goes, and so on. All right, and so, and but but we, from the perspective of, of historical distance, okay, you can see that it's a culture that no longer believes in itself, okay. And uh, yeah, and I think that's a, that's a huge part of it. So you see, you, you just you just produced a. Uh, 
a segment by uh, talking about what you're reading about here, George. Well, there's a million questions to ask uh, and sincere questions I would love to ask, but things like deconstructing reality. Uh, it's very postmodern. It's in the art. It's in our music. Uh, it's in our movies, uh, the books we read. Uh, it's being in the arts myself, I'm not like a super artist or anything, but you can... I started getting vibes of this and I didn't understand it when I was in high school. So this would have been 20 years ago where I'm hanging out with artsy types and I'm just getting a feeling that I used to tell myself, like if I would hang out with feminist friends or something like, wow, there sure are a lot of these people and man, it would really be crazy if they started taking over, you know, society or something. So I, I would, I would joke to myself, like good thing they're not taking over society. Uh, so 20 years later, uh, but um, I'm cur I'm more interested uh, in, so we've got postmodern, we've consumed all art that we can find uh, in every classical uh, genre, so now we have to deconstruct it, we have to turn it against itself and break it down into its smallest molecules and rearrange them just to see what happens when we do that, and uh, I think part of that is boredom, uh, it's, it's fashion, it's hey, I'm so bored of all these nice paintings of people and weird... I mean, if you look at the fashion industry, it's not enough for them to just have nice clothes, for instance. They now have to make weird clothes. So when you've maxed out nice and art, you now have to go into the weird place where maybe up is down, maybe green is red. And we start uh, messing around with the fundamental uh, rules of reality. Like, uh, I was joking yesterday, half joking, of uh, I saw a poll of can men get pregnant? <laughs> and uh, apparently on some some Twitter page, like 66% of people said, yes, men can get pregnant. But I, I don't know if that was a biased poll or anything. So I did my own of poll of can men get pregnant? And I said, first option, no. Second option, yes, I'm retarded. And most people said no on our on on my poll, but some people just said I'm retarded for fun. So, <laughs> <laughs> a very scientific. It's probably more scientific than uh, what we get. It's very scientific. But okay, so but that's the weird thing is uh, there are contexts, and let's say you go to a university, you say, "Can a man get pregnant?" Some of them will say yes, or well, it depends. And then they start getting into sort of, okay, well, it's not just simple yes or no question anymore. If you, and then they start giving you a list of if-then statements. And uh, that's when, if you think of like reality as code in, in, in like computer programming language, it's not simple code of this, 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 and that's reality. Now it's, okay, if, if I could build a castle in midair, let's just say I could, then you could do all kinds of things with the construction but you can't build a castle in midair. But they will say, okay, well, that's bigoted, but assume, let's assume you can build a castle in midair. All these things are possible now. It's like, yeah, but they just want you to ignore that one thing, and now all these other possibilities become real. Dude, that is applied to everything, by the way. Yeah. Everything. Oh, even when we talk about, uh, the okay, let's say the, the Russia hoax, the 2016 Russia hoax. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. That entire thing, you have to completely ignore the very first block in the entire thing which is did was the dnc actually hacked or was it an internal leak and let's talk about that no 
everybody agreed hey, you just have to okay well listen the dnc was hacked and it was russia that was the, th the one thing you could never ever question so that you can just get tangled up in the the muck in the all the layers above this the ground the ground floor mm -hmm. and uh, and that kind of that kind of confusion it's a very passive aggressive to just outright aggressive way of dealing with everything mm -hmm. and uh, i i think you're you're, you're spot on with that. And what it, they did with Russia, the Russia hoax, was also what another thing that the left does is projection. It was later found out, and they've been talking about this, but it got buried. They hacked Trump's servers and tried to plant information that made it look like he was contact, contacting Russian banks. So they accused him of something, having been guilty of doing it themselves. So now you've got... Sorry, did I kick my... Uh, you can hear me, right? I can hear you fine. Okay, sorry. But uh, a lot of this is projection. So it's like, I'm guilty of this thing so that you can't accuse me of it. I'm going to accuse you of it first. So that even if you say no you, it's already on the table. And I, I pointed it at you. Yep. So if they say you're a racist, actually they're a racist. It's like, I, you're now accusing me of the thing that you're guilty of. Right. So I, I find a lot of not to get off on tangents too much, but what a lot of what they're doing often is they want to have the initiative. They want to call you the name first so that you can't call them because it sounds like you're just saying no you. Right. And, and meanwhile, when we go back, we, we talk about something like this, this uh, the gender bending that's going on right now and is becoming mainstream and popular culture, as sick as that 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 is. Um, it's fashionable. It's it's fashionable. But to, to, to point that out and to be coming from a place of concern for the lives of developing minds and bodies, uh, they've as you said before, they've already claimed the ground. So um, for for you to be in any kind of contrarian position means that you are uh, against one person or another. You are pro traditional something or Violent. another. Violent. You want Violent. them to uh, what they another thing they do, and I don't want to get your channel dinged, but uh, they. They threaten to commit not life uh, if if you don't accept them and their lifestyle and their choices and all that stuff. But yeah. it's like you're trying to say that I'm being violent to you by saying, hey, maybe don't take don't mutilate yourself. You, why don't you just express yourself however you dress however you want? Like I have sympathy for people who are not comfortable in their own body. I understand, you know, I'm. I'm not the tallest guy in the world. I'm not the most handsome guy in the world. I, I would love to be a different person sometimes, but I understand what it's like to look in the mirror and say, I wish I was different. Um, but I don't like the idea of chopping yourself up and you might change your mind later. And people all around you who you don't even know a lot of the time, it's like people on the internet just encouraging you, hey, yeah, do this stuff. Uh, I'll even pay for your surgery. There's like groomers who will do that for mm. people. It's it's just creepy, creepy stuff you hear about. But um, I, I don't like... They'll accuse you of being hateful towards these people or they'll accuse me. But actually, I would happily talk to and be sympathetic to any number of these people. But they come at you with, you hate me. And they're aggressive. It's like, please, calm down. And in my case, I crack jokes. Like part of my job is I have to tell jokes. It's like, oh, that joke is violence. You can't tell that joke. And it's like, someone was just saying like, uh, with with the Will Smith thing, why are all jokes, why are black women the butt of all jokes nowadays? 
What? And I'm like, so am I not allowed to make jokes about black women anymore? Because then I'm excluding black women, and that, therefore I'm racist. And then you're just ignoring them. Right. So well, he, who's the butt of the joke? Oh, I guess. Jada Pickett Smith I, I guess. Or Jada, yeah. Well, hey. We're always joking about black women. It's like, well, if you listen to Kevin Hart, he might tell black women jokes because he knows black women. I, I I've never. I, I don't know. I, I I just love that there too. That the psychosis. Like, why is everybody always making fun of something? I actually don't. I don't talk about it. I, that's the projection again. Yeah. Um, transgender, transsexuals. We're talking before the institutionalization of this kind of uh, curriculum that's going on to try to really beat this into people's heads and, and keep this at the, the forefront of children's consciousness. Like public schools. In public schools and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, prior to that, we're talking about a fraction of 1%. Yeah. There, that's not even on anybody's minds. I'm sure it is a very, very personal issue for people who are mired in this behind closed doors, which is where these problems should should be dealt with and, and should be worked through, not not be put on public display. But again, this this was made public so that it can control people and it can control political narratives. You know, it's everything is is this this vulture like this vulture like mentality to how you can pick a p person apart. Well, they're on a quest to always uh, protect classes of people who are being victimized, small minorities, uh, especially the Democrat Party. I don't think they have raw numbers as far as voters go, so they need to show that hey, small group of people, we can protect you, we can represent you if you just vote for us. So they're going around every few years. They change their favorite group. Like now it's the Ukrainians. They suddenly love Ukrainians. <laughs> they stand with Ukraine, but they can't even point it out on the map, let's say. But they change every few years. They have like this pet group that, oh, my gosh, we love you. We're so uh, you're so us. We're we're on the same team. Please vote for us, by the way. Um, I, I don't think they care they've never cared i don't believe political parties care about people anyway but especially with the democrats it's like you couldn't care less about these people actually in real life or their health they are hurting themselves mentally they're not getting the help they need you're actually making it worse by pushing them into taking i should say this with more sensitivity but they are doing things to themselves chemically that are not reversible and if they change their minds it will make it worse 10, 20 years from now. And we're still watching this experiment unfold. We're not going to know until 20 years from now what, what's the long-term effects of someone who didn't go through puberty because they took these blockers. We don't know what's going to happen psychologically. And then it's like, am I going to sue my parents? Because, of, well, some kids in some states can take the blockers without their parents' knowledge. I know. Yeah, so some teachers even encourage this kind of thing. Uh, principals, they... so. It's it's a huge mess and too much to unpack. I'm sorry for talking too much about it. No, but, no, it's it's not it's 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 relevant. And yeah. you know what? It goes into other things that we're talking about here. First of all, um, you're talking about that we we don't even really know the real fallout of people committing to um, committing to to one course of action with their bodies Kids over another. Especially. Yeah, but what we do know is that the suicide rate for transgender people pre and post op we're about the same still it's, i think it's a slightly over 40% it's astronomical which is why which is why i always thought it was egregious that anybody who who is especially uh, pro gun control anti guns and all that stuff would be so pro sending transgender people into war zones 
I never, I never understood that either. I, that's something like there's no logical consistency here, yeah. and uh, and and to be doing this in such a wholesale way, then again, they're doing so many things uh, to people chemically that uh, I guess we we all know. But but on a larger scale, you know, this is all domestic, and I'm sure it's trickled out to to elsewhere. But world government wise, George, there is a. We're talking about a gaggle of rich technocrat eugenicists on a global scale. They got together. I forgot where the hell this even is. I think it's, is it in Dubai or, I, I don't know. But it is called the World Government Summit 2022. Here is the opening nine, I don't know, nine seconds of this whole thing. I don't know who this woman is, but she's obviously very important and better than all of us. And the title of this session are we ready for a new world order? Now, George, when you hear that, it wasn't what you thought. It's, a, it's completely innocuous. All mm -hmm. she's pretty much saying is that there is a vision that a very small group of rich eugenicists have for the collective world. It is not a new world order that's completely unfounded. No, it's an order that's not old and it encompasses the planet, but it's not the new world order. No, it's, it's not new. It's it's just not old. It's just not old, it's, and it's <laughs> it's a it's an update patch. It's Earth two point oh. It's it's like that Carlin quote. It's there's a huge club and we're not in it. You know. Yeah. So yeah, it's fun to watch. Was this a leak? Did they mean for this to get seen? Because that doesn't look good. No, it seems very very proud. Yeah. So maybe that that's a play. When you're so untouchable that it's like, yeah, we're doing that. What are you going to do about it? So I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I guess they're not hiding it anymore. No. Well, uh, well, I just played you six minutes of Camille Paglia. I got to play you, George, four minutes of Klaus Schwab. This rotting oyster of a man got onto a webcam. I cannot stand his accent. I can't stand his voice. Of course. You got. We'll, we'll make stops along the way because... This is just incredible. Yeah. L listen to this. Your Excellencies, ladies and gentlemen. Ich <laughs> It's my Ech. great honor to participate for the eighth time at this the eighth time important meeting, even if only in a virtual way. I would like to express my high respect to His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum for having taken the initiative for creating such an important global platform for governments shaping the future. I also want to congratulate Dubai for having organized such a successful World Expo despite all the repercussions of the global pandemic. Last November, in partnership with this- I hate his fucking face. I cannot stand this, just, I can't stand this saggy face fuck with his fish lips. I can't stand it. Excellency Mohammed al Gargavi. I miss his shogun. We brought no. together 60 top intellectual thinkers here in Dubai. Thank you to His Excellency for enabling this initiative to define a longer term narrative to make the world more resilient, more inclusive, and more sustainable. We're screwed. That's what that means. Okay, so the first minute and 15 seconds 
We're screwed. That, that's he's he's telling us he's he's aligning himself behind us. We're bent over a table. <laughs> when you talk when they so when they talk yeah. about sustainable and inclusive and we're, we're screwed. That is agenda twenty one. <laughs> you must us. have a certain social credit score in order to go grocery shopping. Like maybe we we low social credit score people will be able to have the crap canned food on the bottom shelf. Mm. But if you have a good credit score, you can get actual fresh bread and meat. We're we're gonna get spam. My social credit score is gonna be like at the very bottom. I think that's their that's what he's talking about. I think we're we're gonna be allowed to go grocery shopping, probably, uh, but we're not gonna get the good stuff. No, I'm going to be eating mashed lentils for the rest of my life. Right. I think. Uh, in fact, so that is economical. It is, it is. But in getting back, we'll get back to that in a second. Look at this. This was just from uh, yesterday. BlackRock president says this is BlackRock. We're talking here. Yeah. I think they control. They what did they say? Ten trillion dollars worth of assets. Uh, an asset manager, uh, BlackRock, which is now the world's largest asset manager with about $10 trillion in client assets and investments across the global economy. They're saying that we are an entitled generation that is, uh, that is, uh, is due to learn about what it means to live with shortages. Yeah. Weren't they Chinese-based? I can't remember. There's, uh, there's a lot there, man. There's a lot to yeah. unpack. There's one son of a bitch after the next. Let's keep going with this. With all the current issues on our agenda, we tend to forget that we are in the midst of the fourth industrial revolution. Fourth industrial. Which accelerates global change in much more comprehensive and faster ways than the previous three revolutions. I'm proud that the government of Dubai has been so foresighted in establishing a center for the fourth industrial revolution in cooperation with the World Economic Forum. The objective is to quickly recognize the potential of new technologies as well as develop the necessary ethical and political frameworks around those new technologies to ensure that those technologies are human-centered and society-oriented. Society-oriented and human-centered technologies the the, the 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 vagueness that he wraps all of the uh, the bigger more direct statements around is is I think that's the most disturbing part. When he gets vague, it's it's even more disturbing. Well, it's society as a whole as opposed to the individual. Which I mean, we're Americans, we're spoiled. We we like individuality here, so I don't know what that's going to look like on maybe their continent. They can pull it off here. They're trying to. Uh, I don't know. Asia, Middle East, Europe, they might be able to do it there. Americans are going to go down kicking and screaming, I suppose. Um, well, I would hope so. <laughs> I don't know what their plan is here, but we obviously can't do anything if they want to do this in Europe, Asia, Middle East, Dubai, and all that stuff. They have a lot of money over there, and they don't have as much love for the individual as we were at least taught to have here. Um, and, and honestly, we don't do a great job. Our generation, uh, defending our rights, we could just kind of take them for granted and we're watching them erode and there's not much we can do except point it out. And that worries me. Like, Hey, look, they're doing all these things. Their free speech is vanishing. Are we going to do anything about it? Nah. 
I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to complain about it. I'm going to tweet about it. I'm going to make a cartoon about it. And then I'm just going to shit my pants and just watch it. Oh, I mean, what what are we going to do? And then nothing. We're watching it slowly erode in some countries more than others. And then, I don't know. I would love to see some countries implement stuff like this and then we can see if it works. And then, like with us in states, some states might make certain laws that other states might want to adopt if it works out in some states. Why not compartmentalize? Why flip the switch on the entire planet? You know, I mean, I'm well, arguing... It's with, rhetorical. Right. It's I, rhetorical. And, and, I, and, and as far as the concerns you have about what are we going to do, what's the response, I know a lot of people share that, where it, it just seems like, and it's the reason why I try to... I, I mean, it's it's written into the DNA of the show to diversify topics of conversation and get down into you know um, uh, you know fascinating history and and human interest moments and and all those types of themes because really it does seem like um, we're jumping from one one uh, brush fire to the next and and we always wanted the same thing. Well, when everybody asks when. Are we going to wake up? Wake up. That's something you see on the internet a lot. Wake up, people. Okay, well. Are you paying attention Are yet? you paying attention yet? Yes. Yeah, yeah I I've am. been. <laughs> I'm scared shitless. I was saying to, I don't like saying things like this. I was telling some uh, uh, some friend online. I was like, I, I sometimes wonder if I'd be happier being ignorant and blissful and not knowing all any of these things that are going on. Like if I was just a normal person, normal. I'd just not be on Twitter paying attention to the news because it's too depressing. And then I would slowly live my life while high-level bureaucrats slowly erode my rights piece by piece. Uh, okay, I, I've thought about that too. Is is ignorance bliss? Is is taking that slice of steak in the Matrix really, really worth uh, giving up the fight? Because remember, uh, understanding just how we are... We, we, you know, the odds are stacked against us right now is a very important, yes, sobering, so, uh, sobering part of of reality. But uh, that's just it. I mean, the, the, these people, uh, you know, two Klaus Schwab's ago, they were working to this end. It is an intergenerational long game that uh, many of us, many of us and our ancestors did not even know what was happening until it became it became so obvious now in the last few years, especially. So I start thinking to myself, okay, well, what do you do? Because obviously the, the personal fight never gives up. You're never going to give up on your family. You're never going to give up on personal preparation. And you just have to prepare yourself and find a way to live life the best you can because you only got one. And, uh, and, you, and you, keep, you keep rolling. But as far as a how do we restore the republic or restore any kind of order, democratic order to the West, to Western civilization at large. I don't know. It's a question too big for me to answer. We have to act as individuals, and hopefully, that means some spontaneous collaboration along the way. But um, you know, when it when it when it comes to this, I often think: Is ignorance really bliss? Because to be in that ignorant state, eventually, you are going to be um, you're going to be faced with rationing. You're going to be faced with all the things that you used to take for granted, all of your really wonderful distractions they're taking away. You need an increased level of shots. Eventually, you're going to come to a line in the sand that you're not willing to cross, and you're going to realize, oh, I never had a, I never had a choice in all of this. 
uh, and I'm really I'm I'm trapped. And then you just have a lot of questions and no answers, and it could be a lot worse. I'd rather get all the depression out of the way now. Yeah. Um, I'd rather deal with the problem when it's smaller, and when I have more control. Like uh, for the the vaccine thing. I shouldn't I didn't need to push as hard as I did when I say I'm not vaccinated I'm not getting vaccinated um, I don't care how hard you push me I'm not doing it just because for me it's practice for heavier stuff like this where if they start saying like you can't go to outside at all you can't buy anything you can't go to the store you can't get medical treatment unless you do what we say um, I've never heard before this past couple of years that like, for instance, uh, if you want a kidney transplant or something, some guy couldn't get a tr kidney transplant because he wasn't vaccinated. I don't know what happened to him, but like, I've never heard of that. Um, yeah. So at what point do we stop letting them move the fence? Excuse me. Um, I I'm, I'm frightened by how much we're willing to backpedal at, at what at right, like all right so you might lose your job two years ago or one year ago people would be threatened to you know you're gonna get fired if you don't get vaccinated or something right. and that's a big cost for me I work from home so I'm lucky in that I can say fuck you to anybody who says get vaccinated but how much are you willing to spend now versus 10 years from now when they're forcing you to do some other thing that you're really not willing to do but you backpedaled too much so i'm willing to be an asshole now and be called names like racist and whatever now because i am worried about what's going to happen 10 years from now when they might actually get violent with somebody for saying the wrong thing online hmm. um i'm okay now just being called names or you know loosely threatened with like oh i hope you die or something somebody will send me that or something but like at least it's words now um this is if this is where the fight is fine we probably shouldn't have let it get this far but especially in a country where we have free speech and all that stuff we our generation has to get used to using it and that means the right to offend um not coming to blows you know if someone wants to fight you but like verbally jabbing of like I'm drawing my line in the sand you're not allowed to have this position you're not going to make me say that men can get pregnant for example yeah, people are scared of saying that online you're and don't just think about now if you don't say that what's going to happen five years from now what are the things that are going to compel you to say five years from and now? who's going to be doing the compelling right. I mean we just saw last week a a potential Supreme Court justice yeah. refuse to define what a woman is because of course this, these are the the big questions no, they're non issues but they're the big questions of the day and she's going to be in a position where uh, her vote can be very influential yeah the, the big worry for a lot of people is the social credit thing where on Twitter, for instance, or Instagram, we have things attached to our profiles that we can't see lots of metadata, whatever, where we get demoted a lot, especially me. I know where people get warnings when they try to subscribe to me, let's say, Hey, this, this account posts a lot of stuff that's, you know, offensive or whatever, mm. but later easily they can implement that or export my data to a social credit score system. And that kind of thing, where they might even just say it's going to be a pilot program. Hey, based on the things you buy on Amazon, you're going to be given a score and you can only order certain things. You might get flagged. Uh, the next generation might be like, hey, that's weird, but I guess it's fine. Hmm. It's like that's so far 
over the line that we should be screaming now. But it's hard to complain about that without sounding like a conspiracy theorist. But the trouble with that is you can see five moves ahead in the chess game. People don't want to look five moves ahead because it's exhausting. And and they, they're worried about their friends and family and their circle. What am I going to do with food? Inflation's killing me. Gas is killing me. Uh, I can't worry about what's going to happen five years from now. But that's what the bad guys are hoping for, is that you keep your eyes on the birdie. Yeah. Um, I don't know what kind of horrors await us, but I'm sure our generation will be the last to have tasted uh, the before times. I worry about that. You talk about you talk about foundations. Um, it was earlier on in the episode that you had said that, uh, especially when it comes to the gender issue, um, we 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 forget about phase one and talk about all the things that could be um, if it were to be real, and, and never never even talk about phase one as being that it's an impossibility to turn people from one sex to the other, one whatever. Um, here's another I- example of that in a way where. Um, the no, shit now I just lost my my uh, my thought there oh damn we were just talking about uh give, give me some word associations what the hell did you just say uh social credit uh one of the last things worrying about what's going to happen five moves from now five years yes from okay now. so so for example for example um what is the base to everything what is how traditional of a society do we need to be to be able to be at least impervious to these kinds of gigantic schemes, to at least have the the ability to cling to our um, our traditions of decentralizing responsibility to action to local levels, whether you be more of a collectivist, altruistic, leftist type, where you want to create programs on a on a on a regional, state, you know, local level or whatever, uh, or if you're somebody who really just wants to be living in a place where everybody's their own person, almost anarchist, uh, anarchistic, uh, in in a way where there's close to no government at all. What is it? What is it about people and their? Uh, in that existence that you'd have to get back to to make us impervious to these kinds of movements i don't know i, I definitely we have been pulled away from from traditional families we have been pulled away from uh faith we've been pulled away from a lot of things that are now ju- so um rejected on the face of it. it it makes you think okay well they don't want us to go anywhere near this any kind of a stabilizing effect in society so um they're allergic to this. Why are they allergic to tradition? And I think that's a that's a big part of it. If we can't get back there, then we're really just talking about trying to find a way to get from stage four cancer to stage two cancer and manage it. Mm-hmm. How do we get back to cancer free? I don't know. It's it's, it's uncomfortable. I don't know either because post industrial revolution, there's a lot of changes that I mean. All right, look at the Amish for example. That's that's the pre-industrial like we we reject anything having to do with machines and all that stuff and you can go and find amish people i don't know if you can join them but um they're obviously not able to defend themselves against invaders so we might find a like a little fishbowl where people who want to be free can live in a sort of amish like existence but if these uh new world order types get a hold of production from top to bottom you know food medical social media media in general uh policy 
um, it's they will allow people to live that way perhaps in little pockets but uh, the actual getting behind the controls of the machine I don't think they're willing to let that like Trump I always say was an accident um, they won't let that accident happen again hmm. where he was memed into the presidency because surely he can't possibly get elected they thought um, but maybe that's the last time we'll ever see that happen I don't know could be it could be and you know we're going to get around to a lot more of this in the in the second half of the show um, with 804 hanging out with George Alexopoulos at G prime 85 pretty much everywhere right uh, Instagram and Twitter so far and do you have an official website because I was looking for that to put into the the, uh, the description but yeah. I'll... I do it's under construction perpetually uh-huh. uh, I need more time okay uh, at least it's, okay yeah. it's not my problem then no all right cool all <laughs> right everybody we will, we will be right back don't go anywhere it's gonna be a fun second half and maybe we even take a couple of calls okay see ya Welcome to Intermission. We'll we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Quite frankly. 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 Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Yeah. Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you're going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. It is hump day on the 30th, the 30th day of March, 2022. And I am joined here, as you may have been listening, and if you're just joining us, we are with uh, George Alexopoulos, who is an artist. An artist. And he's a very modest artist. He's not, he'll tell you, I'm not the biggest one out there. George, just... (laughs) Just revel in it. You've done great work, and I'm glad that you're here, and uh, we're having a good time. So let's get to our super chats for the night, and then we'll, we'll take some calls, and we'll get to uh, some other fun stuff. 
Um, it's here. The first one up is One Way Mel. Says, curious your thoughts about eliminating things like Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and the big one, your cell, your cell phone. Eliminating all those. Um, well, you can eliminate them from your life. You can definitely get if YouTube and Instagram and, and, and Twitter. If it weren't for the show, I would... I would not be on, uh, I may, I might just keep YouTube around, but that's just to be able to search for stuff. I, I wouldn't be posting to it. Even Twitter. Um, if, if there are people, if I found a, a couple people, the people's work or research or something, cause I would still be interested to see what people are uh, saying and working on. I mean, th there's a way to be a ghost on a lot of these, these, these things. Um, then of course there's data trackers. That's if you want to get off the grid because of tracking, not necessarily your posting, then that's something else. I don't know. What do you think about how do you balance technology and privacy? Do you is that one of those things where you just have thrown in the towel too and just saying it's either you are a part of the modern world and you're being tracked or you're just off of everything? Well, I guess the internet in general is a tool like fire and it can be used for good or it could be extremely dangerous. So I would, I'm one of those advocate types who might even say like, if you're under 18, maybe you shouldn't be on Twitter, for instance. Mm. Or at least, you know, if I was a younger person, I might be on Twitter, but I wouldn't say that I'm under 18. I don't think minors should be exposed to half the stuff I see every day, uh, but they are. Uh, if, if I was in a position where there was a youngster, all right, so younger people, I think there should be severe like parental limitations. Parents should take it very seriously. As for myself, I think um, sometimes I go overboard and like I'll, I'll scroll too much on the news to the point where it like interferes with my sleep, let's say. Uh, I think that's where my line is as far as too much. It's for me, I use it like a newspaper. So if it wasn't for Twitter, I would use a newspaper if this, if this was 50 years ago. Um, as far as tracking goes, you know, I, I try to maintain my privacy as much as possible, but I'm sure Amazon knows like what TV shows I watch. And oh yeah. YouTube knows that like I'm a huge Bob Ross fan, you know, but aside from that, like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I am, I'm very much aware of what I put into, uh, when I log into something, I know that they're tracking everything. And there's nothing I can do about that. So I would say, you know, it depends on uh, the good news is we have the choice to have the lifestyle we want for now. Uh, so if you don't want to be online exposed to negative stuff, you just block it out if you want to. Uh, and then there's people with Internet addiction where it's hard to block it out. So. Uh, I'm. So, I feel bad for them. Uh, me too. I. I. Uh, me too. I. I really do because it's. Uh, especially be do to be doing it for no other purpose than just chasing the badges on your phone and uh, seeing who's updating what and me, really. I. It would be a vacation for me if I could. If I could really unplug a lot, but if I have a responsibility to to try to grow the show, even though I know that even that is uh, that seems to be that seems to be a really arduous task on some of these these small um uh, you know echo chamber platforms they, they have us all in our respective echo chambers yeah i mean it's part of, it's our job yeah right and at the same time it's also an ego boost so we've got the dopamine and the income reasons to be online all the time and we have to actually moderate ourselves i'm sure 
Like I look yeah. at way too much news to the point where it just it black pills me all the time. So I have to like try to make myself cheerful if I can. Yes. Like I you know, I watched uh, last night I watched Rogue One yeah. again. Are you a Star Wars fan? Um yeah, I would say, you know, pre-Disney Star Wars, but uh it's the best thing that Disney did with with Star Wars, Rogue yeah, One. Yeah, yeah. And I, I see uh, your uh, Kylo Ren over there. Oh, that's that has to go. That has to go. I don't even know. It was in 2015, and we were moving into this place. Yeah. Okay, those were hopeful times. It was hope. <laughs> there was hopeful there. But it, right now, it just it just takes up a little square. It on looks the, cool though. Yeah. Well, whatever. The and Claymore it, looked awesome back before we knew. It, before we knew. Yeah. I got to. Sh- I'll show everybody. I'll I'll take a, a trip around with the swivel camera in a little bit. But I was I was watching that and 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 today I was uh, just just uh, reading through some some other things after I I finished the, the format and just getting getting finding ways to get happy and and, and lighthearted about some stuff. I know yeah. what you mean. Um, and then of course I also have the baby. So if it weren't for her, black pill depression, it would be a really really hard thing. But there's off. no future in that. I know. We can't let ourselves get in that mindset because it's like, why even get out of bed in the morning? Now? Exactly. You can't. You just can't. That's why it's always about balancing the two. And, and yeah, here's a new another one from Lucy Liu. It says, interesting interview with Michael Knowles with a trans that detransitioned back. Um, uh, it's from great to, uh, it's great to meet George. Oh, great to meet George. Oh, thank you. Uh, let me see. Who is the... It's probably... Is it Walt Hayer? Let me see. Hold on. Walt... Let me see if that's the name. Yeah, Walt Hayer. I wouldn't be surprised if Michael Knowles interviewed Walt Hayer. H-E-Y-E-R. I, I, I read a lot about Walt Hayer. Uh, was a man... A male to female transgender and then detransitioned and is out there uh trying to get people to to understand the real risks and everything else so uh, i would i would look into the the published works of walt Hayer. i don't know if that's who michael knowles uh spoke with but i wouldn't be surprised because when you're talking about detransitioning that is one of the the leading names um in that uh, that brand of activism, and it's very necessary activism because there is nobody who is vulnerable and is is seeking out these kinds of these kinds of procedures who is getting um, a balanced perspective on what they're about to, you know, what the, what they're endeavoring to do, because the as we know from the the father from Texas who lost the custody battle to his wife and has his son being transitioned into a girl. The, the the wife is a, a pediatrician. I mean, this is this is what modern day medicine is being forced into accepting. It's more, once again, socio political nonsense that is trumping what used to be science and medicine. So, anyhow, um, we see. Let's go into something else. Hello, everybody on Rockfin. Hello to everybody on Rumble. A lot of great people there hanging out, and then uh, on Foxhole. Paul9363 says, Frank, you are too frank. Thank you, Paul. Amethyst Cat, hello, Frank. Hello, Amethyst. Jake the Jeweler says, keep being awesome. Can you ask the higher up why the stream on Pilled is so interrupted? I don't know. Uh, if you're having problems on especially Pilled, then you have to email support at pilled.net. But I have been hearing from people 
the last two or three shows that there has been weird buffering going on that we have not encountered in weeks. I have a very strong uh, upload rate over here. Uh, as, as since since we got off a restream, I've had no problems at all. So I don't know what's happening recently. Um, but uh, but yeah, you that you have. Okay, don't walk a tightrope. Call everything as it is. Says C Blanche. What do you think about that? You you uh, you use imagery and uh, inference with a lot of things. You're also very blunt in other ways. But I guess that's uh, that's you have to leave things open for interpretation with art, no? Well, art and communication, I think of it like keys on a keyboard, you know, piano. Sometimes you got to play these notes. You got to be blunt. Sometimes you play the light notes where I'll draw something and it, there's like a little wink. Like, you know what I really mean when I draw this, right? Right. Yeah. You know, but sometimes it's like, A, I want to avoid a ban. B, I don't think it's polite to be too blunt. Because I actually, despite the things I draw, I think politeness and respect is important. Um, but then there are times like where I'll, <laughs> I don't know, recent things I've said, but uh, sometimes being blunt is very funny. Uh, at risk of being too blunt on your show, I don't want to. But like, I was talking about the trans jokes. I was joking about a trans thing where they were saying like, um, uh, someone told me it it is possible for some men to get pregnant. Uh, it depends. And then I said, well, the only way to find out is for me to bang everybody. You know, <laughs> so that's a blunt joke. That's okay. Uh, but, you know, the art, I want to add a little bit of room for people to, you know, uh, add art it has a bunch of, uh, you know how they say a, a picture's worth a thousand words. So I try to put in hyperlinks where you look at a picture and then you can see other things that you've heard recently in the news and make association associations that aren't necessarily in the picture. Um, so it's like a cooperative, Hey, I'm inviting you to fill in the blanks in this, in this comic. Well, that's the, that's the basis of mimetics and yes. memes, you know, yeah. that it, it's something that is completely the left is, or anybody of that collective <laughs> mindset who needs to be able to control everything from cradle to grave, including your perception of reality, yeah. they cannot give themselves over to that kind of imagery because too many words, too many words, and you have to make sure that there is no room for somebody's personal interpretation. No, which is ironic because when they tell you to look at postmodern art, they say, "What do you see in this picture?" Not, "What did the author intend in this picture?" So I wonder about that reversal as well. They want you to be able to rewrite reality, but then they also want to tell you what reality is. So that's a strange... It's like how they are super germaphobic, whereas 10 years ago, I would have thought that was a conservative trait. Whereas right. now conservatives are saying, take off the masks, I don't want the vax, and they're afraid of germs. And they're hyper-authoritarian, but we're hyper-freedom. It's very strange. It's it's odd. It is odd, and I think a lot of it has to do with a lot of it has to do with the the narcissism on uh, these with these statist collectivist types, where it's not so much okay. Well, what do you see? And uh, this is what you need to see. It's there is this very juvenile hope that you see exactly what they want you to see, 
and they're hoping that you get it right in the first time, mm-hmm. but then they're going to have to correct you afterwards. There's another reason why I think that a lot of this grooming that goes on in uh, in uh, schools are very important. Obviously, they are making critical investments in future generations with all this psychopathy that's happening and the socio the the, the sociopathic um, you know splitting of personalities and all that shit. But there's I really do believe it's very hard for some of these personalities, like the types that you see making these these TikToks in the middle of, you know, uh, kindergarten classrooms. How the hell can that person have a normal adult relationship with anybody? So I, I think that most of the time this is really about being the big man on campus in a preschool for a lot of these teachers. They This is the only place where they actually have some authority, some superiority, where they are like a god, but also, also, they try to have these really weird relationships, like they are the smartest five-year-old in the room. <laughs> There's just something so fucked up where they're, they're looking for validation from children. It's more than a teacher. It's bad enough for it to be teacher-student where this kind of propaganda is coming in, but it's, it's something else there, too. They want validation from peers, but they're five-year-olds. Yeah, I shudder to think of the implications. I kind of, my instinct tells me there's something, I know what's going on. Uh, but I also wonder, were you a public school guy? I can't remember if we no, talked about this last time. I'm not public school. I was public schooled. And we were exposed to sex stuff around fourth grade, I guess. And we were taught about all the stuff. You know, you go to the library, you could take out any books you want about anatomy. And I didn't know any better. So I'm like, oh, cool. I could look at pictures of, you know, ladies and stuff, naked ladies. So I was like, oh, this is hot. <laughs> yeah. You know, all these, like, all of my friends would joke about like popping boners. We didn't know what boners were. You know, <laughs> what are you supposed to do? <laughs> you know? But we were exposed to all this at a very yeah. young age. And I, w- I have always wondered if we were part of like some pilot program where, they're trying to do things to kids psychologically before they're ready. And I hear that the average of like puberty is like getting younger and younger. And I, on one hand, it's like, maybe it's just a huge experiment on another hand. It's like grooming and it just gets real ugly if you think about it too much. But it's, you know, if I was in a situation where like, I'm not going to do the public school thing at all, uh, with youngsters in my situation, let's say, but, um, I don't trust uh, these people with kids anymore, and I don't know what they're planning, but I worry about, say, 10 years from now, you're going to start seeing these people become adults. I don't know what it's going to sound like when they have opinions, but I'm pretty sure it's going to sound strange. Mm -hmm. Are we going to be outnumbered, and how do we beat them politely, rhetorically? How do we beat them in an argument? Uh, and make them sound yeah, look I disagree with you you're wrong but also I'm not being violent against you by disagreeing with you uh, maybe it's like a they're trying to form a mob of super woke kids yeah but what what happens what happens again and this comes down to the uh, are you paying attention yet kind of a a predicament what happens when it's not as simple as having a disagreement on a uh, you know any matter of civil debate and we're actually talking about the the ongoing attempt to abuse children this is child abuse what's happening on an industrial scale and um and they tell the kids that your parents don't have your best interests in mind but i do i love you right i your teacher or somebody will will introduce you to this doctor who will give you testosterone without your parents knowing again this is in this book irreversible damage 
um, where they're trying to take it, it's kind of cult like actually or even not even cult like like I grew up in a church situation where it's like this is your home away from home you can tell the pastor all kinds of things that you can't tell your parents but instead of a pastor who's you know you would hope is like a good person and you know moral moral and all that stuff it's your teacher it's some counselor it's a health person at school where you can tell me things that your parents would judge you for or be mad at you for and you could see them slowly pulling the kids away from the family and saying that the state is your family now mm -hmm. or whatever this cult is and i would use the word cult uh, of yeah we'll give you love and affirmation and attention and social media points post pictures of your transition and we'll give you all these likes and likes feel good so that tells you that you're on the right track and uh and your parents they just want to be narcs they just want to stop you from being your true self and so these kids by the time they're in college they hate their parents and it's not just a rebellion it's like an outright like i hate you i will never speak to you again mom and dad so there's some kind of indoctrination happening where they're being convinced that your parents want the worst for you they don't want you to be happy or loved and uh they get pulled into this dark uh world of strangers who want you to do all kinds of things to yourself because you know, some people get off on it uh they want to say they want to act like this is the best way you can live but obviously it's not working if the suicide rate's still high no no and, and it goes it goes far beyond even even gender because you know you, it's so far beyond that look at what they're doing how they're scrambling people's brains with race and victimhood it's all about victimhood and it's about making sure that people understand that they are incomplete in some significant way and they also understand need to understand why they're incomplete who is complicit and how you can make it all go away and of course you have to give yourself over i, I always say it um I, I always say this is the the anakin skywalker generation and it, you have this you have this uh this, this group this person that is so hell-bent on trying to reverse death and prevent people from from dying that they actually become they actually become the harbingers of death they they think that they're doing something good and altruistic and 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 everything but they give themselves over to the evil that destroys the world and uh and that's what that's what a lot of the people underneath the ringleaders and the figureheads are doing those the, the klaus schwabs of the world when they talk about fourth industrial revolution, which includes the human body and, sure. the, and the human mind, he's talked about it. We're talking about the marriage, the singularity, the, the bringing humanity as a species to new levels where it, it could not go in its natural course. Um, when you talk about that, those are the types who will never have to wait online for a steak. <laughs> okay, it, we're, they're telling us how lentils and crickets are a good uh, a good replacement for a, a nice steak from time to time, but they're never going to have to experience the rationing. No. They are ne they, all of their children will never, and they have never gone to public schools. It's that's just what it is. So we can always just do things personally take the children out of school make sure that you, the cabinets and the, the cupboards at home are, are stocked with good things uh that you have survival food that you have you have guns you know how to use them 
that you you have faith in something larger than human governments you have you have to you have to be able to to do those things and hopefully enough individuals act as individuals and you have a pretty sizable resistance ahead of you who knows <laughs> who knows where you go from there man but uh, it's true you you perfectly you perfectly colored in that that slow creeping grooming uh, of people into points of desolation and and departure from normal life especially family life you you really pinned it down 100 percent um let me see here i have a couple more super chats from barbiturate jones says if i ever gain access to a time machine i'm taking you uh to 10 cent beer night in cleveland bag of shrooms and 10 bucks we are sailing oh my god 10 cent uh, uh beer night in cleveland i read about that on the show i think it was last year or the year before on the anniversary of that did you ever hear about that no you're talking about one of the the, the, the most insane baseball games as far as stadium-wide brawls going on. I believe it was between the Cleveland Indians and Billy Martin's Texas Rangers. Hor- horrific promotional scheme. Ten-cent beer. All right. Well, some of the night. I want to do fart history tonight in just a second. <laughs> Stosub says, great, great evening, Frank and George. Thank you, Stosub. Thank you so much. Um, What else do we have? I think that's good for now. All right. Now, I want to do something real quick before we get into the farts. Actually, no, no, no. A birthday, and then something real quick, and then the farts. Birthday. Hi, Frank. This is Twisted Wizard's wife, Marie, our buddy Matt out there. I would love it if you could wish the love of my life a happy 39th birthday. Also, it's our 14th anniversary today. I would like to tell him happy anniversary, and here's to many more years to come. Thank you, Frank, for all you do. You are a blessing to us all, your friend, Marie. Oh, happy birthday, happy anniversary to you all. You guys are great friends of this show for many years now, and I uh, I wish you nothing but the best. Wonderful, wonderful couple. Um, so, George, here's what I want to read to you. This is about Will Smith. I have two mailbag entries that came in, one from Carlos. Carlos is an industry insider. He works in entertainment industry, and uh, he, he's been you know around celebrities for a long time. And he sent this in to me. Listen to this from Carlos. He says, hey, Frank, great show again. You'll find this interesting. What they didn't show on the Oscars or on corporate news is people are upset. Some of the blacks slash black elites because of how this will put them back after all this work to make it better. The irony that a black man slapped another for all the world to see, even though not many people were watching. In fact, it's the only reason why people went and go (laughs) to watch what was going on. For all the world to see was not so well received. I spoke with an an A-list producer friend who had spoken with top brass at Disney Plus companies. They are all over the wokeism and slap and and the slap put it over the edge and they're supposedly going to start walking it back as it is hurting them. Well, they already started that. Disney. Uh, everybody, even Kareem Abdul-Jabbar came out and said this is this is uh, you know terrible and of course on Twitter on Tuesday because everybody had their Monday talking about the slap. Yeah. On Tuesday is when all of the what about isms 
They started listing all the top five real, but they went after John Wayne. They said, oh, let's stop talking about Will Smith and Chris Rock. What about John Wayne? He wanted to go after the Little Feather woman when she showed up. And, and you know, Clint Eastwood made a joke about Little Feather in 1973. So the isms to try to diffuse it, it started immediately for sure. Mm-hmm. He said the ratings were higher this year at 15.3 from last year's 10 only because as word spread around the country about the slap, people tuned in to see more. Uh, Interesting note, and I say many other industry folks who are usually at the Oscars every year forgot that they were uh, forgot that they were this past Sunday, LOL. Many of us are over it. Also, the slap was real, not fake. It was not planned at all. (laughs) And there could be an investigative launch, even though uh, Chris Rock is not pressing charges grab that popcorn just for you to know says carlos well mm-hmm. no it's for of all of us to know. there's not a lot in there um and it's days later so <sighs> well, in my immediate reaction was that it was staged but uh, who knows who knows man the next person uh, the next and the last person who submitted something agrees with you <laughs> so whatever you have to say go ahead and then i'll get into this i don't have anything special to say i think it was uh, wwe a little bit yeah uh you know it got people talking it was free advertising uh some people were saying like i had said it was f- fake and then some other guy goes uh yeah but what do they have to profit it's not like they get ad revenue from people memeing about it and it's like yeah but next year they're going to tune in what if what what crazy things going to happen next time and i was thinking it seems controlled and controversial enough that everyone was talking about it because last year gervais said some actual like serious shit as opposed to something that was a slap people talk about a slap it's over but gervais talking about you know half of hollywood being in on the other stuff it's yeah like, that's something there oh he shouldn't that wasn't planned uh, so them talking about a slap, we got to tune in next year and see what happened. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, they're going to benefit from it. Apparently, uh, Chris Rock's like uh, his ticket sales from a show. I think I read it was like fifty dollars a ticket, and now it's four hundred dollars a ticket for his next show. Just because so, people want to see what he says about it, or if anything, I guess, but just because everyone's talking, everyone's saying his name, so now he's like higher real estate so it's like the trump effect or the streisand effect the more people say your name the more your name is in the zeitgeist that that pays huge dividends it's not direct ad sales but just people mentioning your name is in itself a huge power move well it it makes sense that uh, after how hollywood has pretty much destroyed itself with pushing the message that the Oscars would would go the Jerry Springer route to be able to keep people coming back. Who's going to slap somebody this year? It may be all they have left, George. You know, it was shocking. It worked. Um, who knows? Here's a here's another one from a friend of mine from France. He says a couple of clear signs, uh, Frank. Will Smith that he thinks that this whole thing is staged. Number one, Will Smith smiled after he slapped Chris Walk- Rock and walked back to his seat. Number two, after taking his seat, he shouted, "Take my wife's name out of your fucking mouth," or something like that. He shouted that twice in a very measured delivery. It's one thing to get up on stage during the Oscars and slap the presenter. I suppose that could happen in a moment of uncontrolled fury, but a normal person 
would be horribly embarrassed of his loss of self-control, especially during such a huge televised event. The fact that Smith continued to express his quote-unquote rage is clear to me that this was a performance. And why? My guess is that this was a, short, a sort of MK Ultra mind control experiment. This incident will be recorded in the collective consciousness for a long time, and it will affect the way certain people respond being triggered. The slap will encourage woke snowflakes to react with violence any words or gestures they perceive to be offensive to their fragilities, whether they may, whatever they may be. If Will Smith can lose his shit and slap the presenter during the Academy Awards over a silly joke about his wife, why the hell wouldn't we lose our shit as well at schools and restaurants and subways and supermarkets? Well, that's already happening. Uh, and finally, he says, if you listen to Smith's acceptance speech, there is no doubt that it was all planned. It fits too neatly. The whole thing about protecting one's family, Richard Williams, who protected Venus and Serena, in other words, a black man who did what he had to do to protect his talented daughters and guide them to become champions in a very white sport in a white supremacist society. Signed, your friend from France. He's got to take, uh, so we got some polar opposites. You know, I I wouldn't put anything past the realm of possibility. Uh, it's also possible to make the argument that uh, like it's not safe to make jokes anymore. If you can run up to a comedian now at like a comedy club and say that's offensive, I'm going to slap you, and that's considered acceptable now. Uh, once comedy dies, like that's that's pretty much the end. The war has started. If, if the court jester is not allowed to make jokes. So I would have, you know, in if this wasn't WWE, if this was real, I would have wanted Will Smith to be kicked out, etc. Actual consequences. It's okay to joke about things. And it wasn't even a serious joke. I mean, Joe Rogan talked about this, you know. But you have to be able to joke about things and not be worried as a comedian about physical repercussions because again free speech but also because uh laughter uh, i don't remember if we talked about this last time but laughter is a pressure release valve i I like to say so if you can't laugh then you're just going to get angrier and angrier and if the comedians now who are telling the jokes to help us relieve pressure social pressure whatever um if you can't joke about things, then you're just going to get angrier and angrier, and that's when uh, people get hurt. And uh, obviously, if Will Smith is in a position where he can't take a joke like that, he wasn't even the butt of the joke. It was his wife. Right. Um, why did he feel like he had to get up? I don't know. Uh, I don't like the precedent this sets. As, as a person who does comedic stuff once in a while, I sure, I sure wouldn't want someone to come up to me, you know. So... I hope it was fake. Do you think it's what you think? A lot of people say that Will Smith is one of those one of those uh, A-listers that have been cloned and replaced many times. <laughs> well, he is a Scientologist. What, what do you think about cloning? Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, I think I actually have been daydreaming about like, what if body swapping is a thing and we don't know it? Like, uh, how hard is it to take a nervous system, like a brain, put it in someone else's body? You know. They say that we're still years away from that, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. I it's it's interesting. I like UFOs and stuff. I don't know. Have you ever seen a UFO? Uh, there was one time I I could have sworn it was a dream. I was driving on the Hudson River Parkway, and I could have sworn I saw like a it was shaped like a stealth bomber, 
above the city, but it was like a mile long. And then I was like, wait, was that a dream? Did that really happen? <laughs> I was with someone else. I'm like, did you see that? And they're like, what the hell is that? And then we never talked about it again. I'm like, wait, do you remember years later? I'm like, you remember that time we saw that? And he's like, no. I'm like, wait, we saw it. We were together. A mile long. I don't know. I I have a <laughs> hey, listen, our friend our friend Rich, he he blew my mind when he came on to talk about his uh his sighting and he was talking about things that large. That's, know, I love talking about that stuff. Me I, too. I gotta hear it. Oh me too. Sometime, oh, yeah. Oh you have to. he was down in Florida. Rich Barris, he's 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 the uh the country's greatest uh pollster, somebody who actually does real polls, polling. Okay. Well, we were, I asked him, have you ever seen a UFO before? Because, you know, we've had several phases of uh, controlled disclosure in the media over sure. the last few years. Yeah. So I asked him around around one of those those times, and he said, oh, oh, absolutely. And I'm glad I asked him, George, because this was one of the greatest stories ever heard. And it's from an unimpeachable source. He's a sane man who does not lie. Okay. Okay? So he goes and he tells us that he's he's down there in, in Florida. And there was not only did he see this craft that was that was large. I mean, we're talking at least a mile long, or at least a few football fields uh, in length. The fuck is that? Some loud speakers on. The oh car. my god! Why is this happening? <laughs> it reminds me of this time. I'm sorry to interrupt, but this is interesting. There was uh, you remember like last year there was a whole bunch of people like getting mad at Jewish people. And I don't know if this happened in your area, but like they were really mad and like attacking them in the street for no reason, like in Manhattan and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I heard like fire alarms in my town one night and then some guy in a monster loudspeaker was saying Allahu Akbar and I'm like, holy shit, it's starting. Something's happening. Like I was hearing sirens and a guy, a bunch of people were screaming. It was like 11 o'clock at night. I was shitting my pants. <laughs> Dude, like I, it's starting, it's happening. That was, I think, I think that was around 2009, the later 2019. It happened. It happens. Everyone, it's always happening. And of course, they they stop reporting on it because uh, it's too common now. It was too common, but also it wasn't white Trump supporters who were attacking Freaks Jews in New York. Me the hell out. Okay, man. it yeah. wasn't. So they yeah. they could. On on one hand, the media would love to say that oh, anti-Semitic attacks are up and it's Trump's fault. But on the other hand, it's not. It wasn't white people doing it. No. So, um, yeah. That was a no, no, no. Hey, hey. Listen, actually, Jews are a big part of the 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 fart story. I have to talk about. Oh, okay. So that'll be funny. That you. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> but as far as as far as <laughs> UFOs are way more interesting. <laughs> on, UFOs. We got Jews and farting. <laughs> it's amazing. But but Rich was talking about just to paraphrase because you 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 should go back and listen to that 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 call that this thing was enormous. And not only did he see it uh, materialize up there and hang out, but he saw this thing go warp. He said he he saw it a like this this displacement of gravity around it, and it it just it took off what almost was it like shaped like. I want to say like rectangular or giant triangle or whatever, but we're talking massive. So it's this is not anything um, anything that was. Jeez, it's you know, people do DJ practice across the hall over there, <laughs> all across the uh, the alleyway. Okay, but uh, he said that he saw this almost like going to a wormhole. It was taken. It would just it just took off like it went warp speed, light speed. So the fact that he not only had a and it was a daytime sighting, mm -hmm. the fact that he not only had a daytime sighting under his belt, but he saw this thing take off. 
not just blink out of existence, but just get sucked off to another somewhere. That was awesome. That, that was awesome to, mm-hmm. to hear. Uh, I'll send it to you. Um, okay. Okay. Well, um, I had a, I had a, a, what was it, 842? Do I have time? Because I love to do this Ron Perlman thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could roast him a little. Okay. I want to roast him for a second, sure. and then I want to go to the farting. It's a fun show tonight. Yes. All right, so here we go. Here's Ron Perlman. Now, he thought, he thought George, that he was going to be owning Ron DeSantis for the, the anti-grooming bill, mm-hmm. which the left has coined the term, don't say gay. No. It's the best way that they've been able to propagandize against it. Okay? It was just talking, you know, if you're any one of these children out there in Florida, you end up being a gay person, you know, whatever the hell it is. It, it's not because of the... It's ridiculous. Anyhow, he goes and he jumps on Ron DeSantis's back as if Ron DeSantis came up with the phrase, don't say gay. Yeah. This is how stupid. But here, we'll get into this. Ready? Here we go. Good morning, Governor DeSantis. Ron here. Um, don't say gay. Don't say <laughs> as the first two I was, words. I imagine like... In a sentence spoken by a political leader of a state in the United States of America, don't say, don't fucking say, you fucking Nazi pig. Say, First Amendment. Oh, now he cares. Read about it. Then run for office, you piece of shit. Don't say. He never said don't say. He ne- but this this is why he's one of the stupidest men in Hollywood. He's hearing things that aren't being said, yeah. and responding to them. Yeah, this is how crazy they are. Isn't that a straw? That's a straw man, isn't it? Yes. I get accused of doing straw man. Well, I mean, you, you need to be able to project yourself an enemy to go after, and yeah. and, and and you have to it has to materialize. But the fact that, but this is the reason why I, I I wanted to put this on the on the air because this is the reason why the Ron Perlman little little Donnie memes. You ever see those? Like this. Like this. Well, pretty much he was going after Donald Trump for a long time uh, oh, when yeah, he was in yeah. office, and he would do these little Donnie. You call him little Donnie, and because he's so stupid. And people uh, were realizing, you know, this guy is owning himself. You know, we got it. They went and they made all of these fake tweets, and the tweets are are so hilarious. <laughs> and and you want to talk about a meme? Obviously, this is a, it's a fake tweet, so you have to write text. But the meme here is that this guy owns himself all the time, like we just saw him do again, yeah. where he thinks he's coming after somebody else, but he's making himself look like shit. Here's the first one. I, I just went to a couple of my favorite fake tweets of his, and they always attach these stupid. <laughs> Okay, here's the first fake tweet. Yo, Lil Donnie, guess what? This morning I was taking a shit and I got it all I got it all over my hands. I didn't even wash them. I bet you feel real stupid now, don't you, little Donnie? I love these tweets. I like that. Yeah, here's another one. Yo, Lil Donnie, I just scooped some water out of the toilet and I'm gonna drink it. What do you think about them apples, you orange bastard? Or you think he's... <laughs> Hold on. Like There's another one. Uh, <laughs> hey, little... Do- now, for those of you in podcast land, it, it's a it's a uh, picture of a, a, a sink in a bathroom that is spewing out, like, brown, untreated water. Oh. And the Ron Perlman tweet says, Hey, little Donnie, 
I just shat into my water heater, and now when I turn my fucking sink on, diarrhea comes out. I wash, <laughs> I wash my face with my own shit. What do you think about that, little Donnie? <laughs> Oh, I love it. Oh, it's amazing. Here's here's one more for you. Yo, Lil Donnie, I just got done taking a huge dump. I got shit on my hand when I wiped. How the fuck did you like them apples? <laughs> it's one of my favorite memes. It's one of my favorite memes. It's one of the best. Uh, I'm so immature, but I love that stuff. Oh, it's... A, it's, it's Oh, and that's great. That is, see, you, we talk about the double-edged sword, the sword that yeah. is the internet. This is the beauty oh. of the internet. This is when people coalesce around a person and, and just put the mirror up to their face. I love it. It's my favorite, yeah. The, that's why I can't do comics about certain subjects. The memes are too good. I can't add anything even remotely as good as that. Yeah. It's so funny. And for everybody out there, for everybody out, because uh, I, I know there's there's there's, pr there's there's probably a few of you out there that don't understand. These are not real tweets, because th th I know that they're just it's just the point that he's he thinks that he's insulting Donald Trump, but he. Yeah. What do you think of that? Don? What do you think of that, little Donnie? I wash my wife shit I wash my face with diarrhea. Dude, I bet you feel like an ass. Uh, go ahead and enjoy. There's there's more out there. Go and p p type it in. Uh, uh, Ron Perlman, little little Donnie memes or whatever. Oh, that's okay. great. All right, so you ready for a little bit of history? I guess we're not going to be doing doppelganger stories tonight. I'll have to change the title, but we don't have time. Oh man. Here's a little bit of history, and it's real. It's all real, ladies and gentlemen. Here's a story of history's deadliest fart. Hmm. All right. History's Deadliest Fart, this is from HistoryCollection.com, but I, I read about this elsewhere and I went out to find the best encapsulation of what, it, uh, of what actually happened out there. So let's, uh, let, let's do that, shall we? All right, hold on. All right. History's Deadliest Fart was let go around the time of Passover. So here's, here's where the Jews come into this. And the Greeks. Yeah, 44 AD in Jerusalem. Not long after the death of King Herod Agrippa, as thousands of Jews gathered to partake in the Passover feast and festivities, a Roman soldier stationed above the temple turned around, bared his ass to the crowd, mooned them, and then cut a fart. Understandably, the religious crowd below did not take kindly to the blasphemous insult in the temple. Rioting broke out, and the Romans rushed in soldiers to quell the disturbances. Things escalated, and by the time the dust had settled, about 10,000 people had died. All because of a chain of events that started with a fart. As seen below, the Jewish historian Flavius Josephus left posterity uh, an account of the lethal posterior emission. This is a real. This was actually... This was actually um, saved for all time by uh, Josephus here. First century AD, Jewish historian Josephus described how the disturbance began. Quote, the Jews' ruin came on for when the multitudes were to come together to Jerusalem to the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and a Roman cohort stood over the cloisters of the temple, for they always were armed and kept guard at the festivals to prevent any innovation which the multitude thus gathered together might take. 
One of the soldiers pulled back his garment and cowering down after an uh, cowering down after an indecent manner, uh, turned his breech, his ass, to the Jews, and spoke such words as you might expect as such at such a posture. At this, the whole multitude had indignation and made a clamor to Cuminus, the provincial Roman uh, procurator, uh, procurator at there. I guess the little the governor at the time, and he had punished uh, he, he that he would punish the soldier, get him out of here. While the rasher part of the youth and such as were naturally the most tumultuous fell to fighting and caught up stones and threw them at the soldiers. And that was the end of that there. It was the start of a bout of widespread violence and a weird chain of events leading to mass death. So there you go. There's actually one other thing here, another riot. Um, I want to talk about a another fart. Listen to this. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, here's another fart you should know about. The impact of great farts throughout history has not been limited to weird and disproportionate consequences such as the triggering of widespread mayhem, death, and destruction in Jerusalem. They also have wreaked, uh, wrecked po political careers and destroyed social standings. You want to talk about social credit scores, uh, George? A prime example of that can be seen in social faux pas of, of Elizabethan, Elizabethan era aristocrat Edward de Vere, 17th Earl of Oxford. Reportedly, while making a deep bow to show his respect and, uh, and uh, obedience to Queen Elizabeth I, this Earl of Oxford, uh, Oxford exploded in a huge fart. The Earl of Asford. Asford. <laughs> he felt so embarrassed and ashamed that he left the country for seven years. <laughs> when he finally came back home, the Queen's first words upon his return to court were, My Lord, I had forgot that fart. So... I don't know. I, I just for, I I thought that you would like this. I don't. I I love. You see, it's so classic. It's so human to laugh at poop jokes and fart jokes. Uh, there's nothing that'll break me faster than a good poop story or a fart story. Oh wow! Well, that's good. That's good to know. That, yeah. Just if anyone ever wants to break me, just <laughs> tell me a good one. <clears throat> don't fart in front of me, but tell me the story. They'll extract any kind of information they need out of you. <laughs> You stand, don't stand a chance at I all. I will be crying on the floor with a good pooper fart story. I uh, think, do I have a good one? I have a good one. Do you, you want me to tell you a funny story about poops? Yeah, sure, go ahead. All right. I, I hope my wife's not listening. Um, I hope she is. I hope she is. She died laughing. Listen to this one. She's She, she came back to life, though. <laughs> so uh, there was a toilet where I was not familiar with it. I did my business. It was, you know, bigger than usual. And uh, I was not familiar with the toilet technology in that I flushed and then it wasn't going down. So I said, okay, well, I got to do something about this before someone else. I can't just leave it. You know, someone's going to find this. So I uh, flushed it a couple more times and then the water was coming up. And I, God, I shouldn't tell the story, actually. I realized maybe it was one of those toilets where you got to hold it for a long time. I hold it for a long time. The water, it just keeps coming up. I'm like, okay, this isn't, it's not going down. I have to do something about it. Did you this. shit in a bidet? No. Okay, good. Well, ahead. a bidet is the spray that comes out, you right. know, it gets you in right. the butt. <clears throat> I did that once in Japan and it was very shocking. I wasn't ready for it because it was in Japanese. I pressed the button and then the jet, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Took off. Go ahead. 
so there's this poop and uh, the water's coming up and it's you know it's high up there and it's not going down nothing's going down I'm like how am I going to deal with this I look around there's no plungers there's nothing I can poke in there <laughs> I should tell this story so I'm like okay <laughs> what am I going to do how am I going to get rid of this thing I go to the kitchen oh no <laughs> and I'm like I gotta find some kind of tool to cut <laughs> To cut this thing in half. <laughs> it's too big. It's not going down. What am I gonna do? So I get a <laughs> get a plastic knife. <laughs> I cut it in half. <laughs> this is all true. <laughs> I cut the turn in half and I flushed again. And I'm sorry if anyone's eating. The the water turns brown and muddy and gross. I'm like, oh god, I hope it worked. I can't even see into the toilet anymore. Some of it goes down. Oh, some of it goes down, but not all of it. And I'm like, what am I gonna do? I can't I can't be seen like this. How am I gonna explain the knife? You're lucky you even got out got out of the the bathroom to go grab the knife. Some people are trapped yeah, yeah. trapped in the bathroom with no options. This, no, this was an operation. I had to figure this out. The other half wasn't going down no matter what I did. Ugh. So I had to take a plastic bag. And I had to wrap my hand in it like with a dog. Right. You reach in. And I think I don't want to tell the rest of the story now. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to. But but listen, let me ask you. Did, was it? Did it end up being a, 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 uh, a misunderstanding of how the toilet worked? Did it actually work, but you screwed up? No, no. It was just a dragon. You know. It oh. Was, it was. Oh. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm a small guy, but boy, do I like to eat. Okay, that's okay. Well, <laughs> hey, listen. Now, whose house was this? It doesn't matter. These okay. are details. All right. Right. These are details. I didn't even need to tell this story, but I told them anyway. And they died laughing, and I died laughing. Well, I mean, I th I'm it's pretty like, sure that there's a lot of people out there who just pissed themselves for th the way that you were laughing alone. The plastic the plastic knife is my favorite part. I just wish I could have seen. I had to cut it in half. I wish that there was, there, there was uh, I could see, uh, you know, oh, closed no. caption security camera footage <laughs> of you escaping, escaping the bathroom and then coming back in with the knife in hand, knowing what you had to do. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's you know, there some people are. That was my moment of heroism. You know, here's the other thing. Oh I know God. that you, you maybe you did what you thought you needed to, and perhaps <laughs> if you had a little bit more time to think about it, there was another way that you could have gone. Probably. But I remember, I remember in a pinch, like one time, I was, it was, uh, I was in, I might have been the last year of high school or something like that, <gasps> and I worked at a pharmacy all throughout high school and college, and I, I. And every once in a while, I would take a can of something. We, we kept like Chef Boyardee stuff at the pharmacy, too. So every once in a while, I'd take a can of Chef Boyardee. Mm -hmm. And I'd say, I'm going to keep this in my room. And at late at night, when I really want to eat something, I'm going to open it up. And I'm just going to I'm gonna eat it because I don't want to go downstairs and wake my mother up, sneak into the kitchen. Yeah. So one night, I had all these uh, the, this Chef Boyardee. What the hell that were they? The... Um, the uh, the sp not spaghettios. What's the ones with the the alphabets? Okay, I know which ones. Okay, well the alphabets. Meatballs. Yeah, well, they had little meatballs in it. Of course. So I opened this thing up one night. It was probably around midnight, 
my mother's sleeping. My brother's across the hall, and and uh, I I offered him. I said, hey, man, you want any of the Chef Boyer D's? I said, no, I'm okay. So I went back to my room and started eating, and I got sick of it real quick because I couldn't even heat it up, no. you know. So then I was like, okay, well, how do I get rid of the Chef Boyer D? <laughs> Now, well, we got a bathroom between us. I had a toilet. I could have just dumped it in the toilet and flushed it. Oh. I tried stuffing it down the drain of the tub. For some reason, <laughs> you want to talk about going in a mental place. So I had all of these these oh, no. these alphabet Chef Boyardee <laughs> all over the tub. And it's red. Yeah. It's red. <laughs> Imagine and, seeing that. And then thinking about, okay, okay, so how am I going to get this down? Because I realized, oh, man, it's not going down. Oh. I'm a fucking idiot. Oh, no. I went into my closet. I took out a a, a, a wire coat hanger, okay, and I'm 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 bending this thing around and I'm trying to stuff it down. Oh it, it wasn't until the next day I realized why didn't I just flush this down the toilet? It's so you want to talk about blanking? Did it's, you clean it though? Was there like a bloody looking mess? Afterwards? I forgot how I had to get it all out. Oh, imagine seeing that in the morning, just a red. Uh, plastered on the oh my, well my mother so my bad. mother never used that that bathroom she she oh. had her bathroom was downstairs so we oh we had gosh. a little bit more time but if it was like a family bathroom that's funny hey I mean I'm sure I have some shit jokes too oh. but uh, that's it for tonight hey man this was <laughs> I really enjoyed your your visit here you got to come by more Anytime. often time yeah that was fun yeah maybe on a I know it's a late night and stuff but every once in a while we have Saturday night shows where we really let it rip. One night, if you want to do that, uh, right. you know, you, you can bring your wife by and she can take a look sure, at the place. Sure. Anywho, uh, George, let everybody know <laughs> where to find your stuff. I know you don't have an official website, but there's going to be people. Uh, for example, you, you brought by <coughs> several editions of your printed stuff, mm -hmm. which is, I mean, it is artwork that uh, it's too good for coffee tables, but it's amazing. <laughs> Someday I actually do want to make a coffee table collection of them, maybe this summer. But it's uh, little collections of my strips, <clears throat> the good ones anyway, uh, in printed form. I print them at home. And uh, there's one in there, uh, oh no, it's Uncle Joe, that's like a horror story. It's not for kids, but oh, it's dude. Like written like a horror story. You know? you, oh, here it is. Yeah. Oh, damn. Does this have all of your, your Joe Biden stories? Uh, well, no, those are s spread out through the shitposts book. But that one's like, um, if you ever read a, like Matilda growing up or like scary stories to tell in the dark, uh, it's like a horror story, but like the town's gone crazy and all the parents in the town are are sacrificing their children. You know, it's like a scary, obviously fiction. Oh, yeah. And, you know, yeah, no, I can see that this is the, the thickest one of all of them. Yeah, that was, yeah, that's like an actual written short story, but it's it's a lot of fun, I think. Hell, dude, I appreciate the gift here. This is this yeah, is wonderful. I hope you like them. Oh, absolutely. And and so if, so you want people checking you out on? Uh... Yeah, it's um the links to my shop are on uh, my Twitter profile at uh, gprime85, uh, so you can grab some books or some prints. Um, yeah, I'm at gprime85 on Twitter and Instagram. That's where I am. At least until I get canceled, and then I'll figure out the rest another time. I'm surprised that you're still on uh, Instagram, to be honest, because I have been getting so many notifications of posts removed, and yeah, and uh, you, you really, you really hit 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 nerves that need to be hit. No, no doubt about it. But still, yeah, I'm sure I'm on some list. Uh, I've been dinged a couple times. We'll see what happens. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I've really enjoyed your time here tonight, George. Thank you so much for everything. Anytime, I'd love to come back. Uh, it's been an honor. Uh, Thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. And let's just do a couple more super chats. I see a couple more came in, and then we'll get uh, to making this one 
wrap up here. Albert Frederick says, "As are you aware that the double slit of the double slit experiment? Again, Frank, I keep attempting to prove that it is real life. However, the evidence keeps pointing me in another direction. Are you aware that anyone can do the double slit experiment? I know, right? L M A O. I let me know what the double slit experiment is. Sorry, have a." Whatever is going on next door is just horrible. Doc Keck says, uh, John Mone's initial experiment to prove his gender theory led to the eventual suicide of its subject, David Reiner. Trans suicide rate is north of 40%. I knew I was right on that one because you cannot outrun nature. Gender theory is, uh, is a crime against humanity and nature itself. Thank you for that, Doc. I'm, I can't wait to see all you guys and gals tomorrow. I released the scratching over there on Rumble, and uh, we will get around to you uh, soon. Thank you again to, to, to Todd Fife over there on Rockfin, and thank you again to the uh, the venerable George Alexopoulos, or Alex Georgiopoulos. <laughs> either. I respond to either. That's it. <laughs> all right, everybody. Well, thank you again, and we will see you tomorrow at 7 o'clock for the Thursday night edition. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatters, starting with Albert Frederick, Doc Keck, Barbituate Jones, Stostube, One Way Mel, and Lucy Lou. Thank you, Todd Fife. Thank you to everybody who's been watching uh, across Theta and Foxhole and Twitch, Rumble, YouTube, Odyssey, CloudHub Channel 135, Rockfin, Telegram, and DLive. Tomorrow's another day, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tonight.